<laughs> I guess it was just total happiness. And but at the same time, it's like, okay, I'm happy that Simona is doing a mistake. It's that uh, that was my second reaction. Is this okay? And I'm just screaming right out. But still, it was. Is this me that this happening for? Hello and welcome to this episode of The Run-In. We have got an interview coming up with possibly the story of this orienteering season with Hannah Lundberg. She is 19. She won a World Cup earlier this year on home soil in Sweden. She has pretty much made a huge breakthrough onto the scene and we are so excited to be able to get her on the podcast and hear all of her thoughts. First of all, this um, podcast today is sponsored by Christmas Cup. Will, can you tell us a little bit about what is the Christmas Cup? Sure thing. So Christmas Cup is a brand new event being organised by Master Plan Adventure, the same people who organised the um, Coast and Islands event this year up in the Isle of Skye and the um, Outer Hebrides to successful aplomb, I think. Uh, everyone who went to that said it was fantastic. So uh, it's a new event being organised by them in the period just after Christmas in Scotland. So there's four events that form the cup itself, as well as one training area event, and they're using the Trossachs, which is an area, for those people that don't um, know the UK too well, uh, National Park just to the west of Stirling, north of Glasgow and Edinburgh. And um, they're using, it's one of the best, UK's toughest, best forest areas. Um, and they're also using places like Southwark Cray, Calendar Park, and a brand new Edinburgh sprint area as well, the sprint for that being on the 1st of January. So a good opportunity for anyone to experience um, the new year in Edinburgh, Hogmanay, as the Scots call it, as well as possibly for any internationals getting a bit of training in for a walk in Edinburgh as well. So there is a limit of 200 people for the event. So places will probably fill up fast. Entries are already open. And um, yeah, I, I reckon I'll probably be signing up. I'll be in Scotland for Christmas and New Year. So yeah, I'll see everyone yeah, there. Yeah, and... So if you want to go to um, get your entries in, just head to christmascup.co.uk. That is the place to go. But Will, we will start today's episode proper with a look back at some of the recent events we have had. And we will start, I think, with the World Cup finals, which were in some amazing terrain in the Dolomites. We won't go into too much detail now because we've got a lot more chatting with um, Hannah Lindberg later, but we had a long distance, a middle distance with our two individual events to kind of decide the overall World Cup scores. And then we had a great sprint relay uh, on the end as well. And mm. uh, Will, were you watching? Did you Were you having a little look at the some of the terrain, things like that, some of the maps? What do you reckon? Yep. I finally brought myself out of my injured stupor to actually watch some orienteering. Um, so yeah, I thought it was fantastic. So the long distance race on some kind of high alpine forest, um, as well as some karst terrain. So big, massive, twenty-five meter deep depressions on the side of a of a lovely white forested hill. Um, apparently the nettles were quite bad, so people were taping up their knees and and thighs and front of their calves, a bit like the Danish. Um, team pursuit team did on the velodrome in, in the olympics in tokyo but to uh, protect from the nettle stings to uh, make things a bit easier so um yeah really hardcore long distance i think nearly a thousand meters of climb or something like that and it just looked absolutely brutal and then the middle distance taking in more of the cast terrain um and some less climb less climb than the long distance did so from the pictures it looked like amazing open white forest just a few rocks everywhere that you just 
dart through and and loop around the cast terrain. So if anyone's been to um, Slovenia for OO Cup or Slovakia and Jaywalk in 2012, very similar to that, you know, that kind of, you need to fix your compass as well as you can or you're going to shoot out of the depression the wrong way and just be lost forever because it all looks the same. Yeah. And um, both those, those middle, the long and the middle um, won by both Tova Alexanderson and Casper Fosser, and they had a ridiculous margin of five like miles. five and a half minutes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was on the on the long distances. It was unbelievable how far ahead they were, and the courses were so long. I mean, thirteen k for the women and like nineteen k for the men, mm. and it was like they're surely they're too long nobody's going to get close to the winning time but yeah these two did only these two everyone else honestly so many people like on the women's class uh only the top five were under 90 minutes and that is just like so kind of unheard of for the women's class but it was mm. it was so great to see and then they backed that up it was a lot closer on the women's side of things in the middle distance but backing it up really really well and the best of the brits was megan carter davis with a 12th place in the long distance i know she wasn't particularly very i think very happy didn't really feel very strong no. up the hills in that one and a 10th place though in the middle distance so maybe not feeling the best in terms of running but actually those results are pretty impressive to be honest a t- top 10 in that kind of terrain mm-hmm. against that kind of competition where you've got mm-hmm. you know more than six people in from some of the big nations i think is is pretty damn impressive and on the long distance i mean if, if you weren't within 18 minutes of the winner you're outside the top 20 for the women and and the same like 16 minutes for the men so like it's just savage and if you can hold that and i imagine everyone was feeling pretty slow on the hills by the end of it so uh yeah i think it's very impressive and probably a sign to of what's to come next year as well when um yeah get back into the sprint terrain and and the fitness that meg's getting I think so. And then we had a very exciting sprint relay down in uh, Cortina mm. d'Ampezzo, which will be where the uh, Winter Olympics are going to be held in 2026. Get, quick, get that in your diaries. Um, and, well, first of all, a word for the Norwegian team, who were the first non-Swiss or Swedish team to win since... Oh, can I remember the stat? I think it's 2017, but it might be 2016. I think um, it might be 2016. Yeah. I think it's the Danish team. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So the Sweden and Switzerland have won every international sprint relay since that time, and they pulled it together with a ridiculously quick leg from Casper Fosser, but a fantastic all-around performance for their team. But, I mean, I want to talk about the British team because they were, like, so up there on this relay. It was really, really great to see. Yes. No, absolutely. And, and it started well. Grace Malloy, fifth place, um, just 29 seconds down on Tove Alexanderson, who ran away from everyone else, as she always does. handy, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, I think that's pretty good going, really. It's what you want from first leg. Chris Mavard holding his own. Um, Ralph Street, I think he was the second fastest leg of the day. He was only two yeah. seconds off Casper Fosser, who yeah. did a phenomenal run. So Ralph was just out of this world. I think they um, started quite close together, I think, as well. And, I mean, Ralph yeah. did such a, good, such a good race. Yeah, if you're holding on to Casper, you're in pretty good <laughs> shape. Mm-hmm. Um, and then yeah Metcalf Davis finishing off again I think Carolyn Olsen just got the better of her right on the sprint finish at the end for the yep. Swedish second team yeah um, yep. but I mean there Carolyn's... were four four teams who went out pretty pretty close to each other yeah. at the start of the last leg Norway Sweden Switzerland and GB and I think Megan made a few 
kind of small but costly mistakes in there. And I think she was, my feeling is she was really feeling the impact of those, you know, that 12th and 10th in the individual mm. races and just kind of fell back a bit towards the end. But I think there's so many positives to take out of that team performance and all the individual performances that made up that team. Like Grace having a fantastic first leg. She hasn't really raced many um, sprint relays. Chris having a fantastic second leg. Ralph just proving to everybody that he really is a sprinter. And, um, and Megan just... The experience, the like lessons that you learn from going out in that position with the fastest women in the world... I mean, she's nearly up there, but these these women who she's running against are really are the best of the best. And mm. being able to be in that mix was just really cool. Yeah, definitely. And it was five seconds off a bronze medal. Um, yep. I thought I saw the Swedish second leg cross them out of oh, bounds. you did, didn't you? I forgot you did. You messaged yeah. me and I was like, oh, I didn't see it, mate. Sorry. <laughs> I'll give this where, yeah, there's some olive green on the way to <laughs> the... Um, to the control on the other side of the ice hockey stadium where I think eclipse them, but mm. I don't know, there's nothing done time. So it might've just been me seeing things and not understanding the way the map worked on the TV. But I was, I was going to push for a GB to be bumped up to a bronze medal. You would have um, put the protest in. I would have absolutely well, put the protest in. They, well, they were fourth, fourth nation in the end, um, which so they were on the, um, podium for the prize giving collecting all their like little certificates and everything really good to mm. see we'll do a quick um bit about the british long distance a very rainy british long distance champs down at Braunton burrows which is the same weekend as this so of course we had quite a lot of people who weren't there um because they were competing internationally and the men's was won by alistair pedley just mm. a minute and 20 seconds ahead of ben windsor and the women's was won by by Chloe Potter, who mm. was had a big lead of uh, eight minutes ahead of Lucy Ooh. Butt. So really, really good racing there for Chloe Potter. And um, I had a bit of a like down moment after doing the commentary on the um, the World Cup and then watching all these come in because I was like, I've just been sitting on my bum all at, all weekend doing this. I really, really want to. I love the sound dune terrain, and even though the weather was pretty rubbish i mean the courses look great the map looked great and i was yeah i mean i've said it before in this podcast but i'll say it again i really really wanted to go and yeah it looked really good put in some great performances yeah it looked really tough as well some of the sand dunes that were going up um like just huge massive dunes into some grim headwind and rain but fair play uh, one po- one point on the um on the world cup as well there were some complaints about the mapping of the sprint relay for, oh, for map okay. geeks out there um, the mapping style that they use at the World Champs with this um, orange and white hashing sign to indicate an mm. underpass was quite... I, I felt watching it was quite confusing. I've seen some other people saying that it was you know, a bit weird how they were using it for some of the underpass legs because it didn't actually look like you could get into some of the underpasses, which were key to make the fastest route to some controls. So it'd be interesting to see if they actually standardise that moving forward and use it because I don't think it's the best way to be mapping some of the elements because mm-hmm. I think Grace said that she got caught out on the first leg with that style of mapping mm-hmm. and she took a longer route and that cost her quite a bit of time um, because she couldn't see the the underpasses near the ice hockey stadium oh 
Okay. Yeah, I did yeah. think it was a bit weird. And the bit when you came back towards the arena. Yeah, exactly. Like, like, well, there's no routes here. There's just two huge wide ones, and there was actually one through the middle. So seeing it at speed as well when you're on the red line, mm. it's going to be tough. That can be really tough. Um, we've also got the talent, um, new junior talent squad system announced in the last couple of days. We, with our, the three, um, different kind of, so the, the British talent squad for the, the juniors has been split up into three. You've got Scotland, North and South. Um, and hopefully we're going to chat to, um, uh, a few of the coaches about that coming up to find out how it's all going to work but I think a lot of the juniors have now got notices that they've been selected for that so congrats if that is you and I'm sure we'll hear more on that very soon we also will and I forgot about this have the junior home internationals which oh, were down do. um, in Devil's Punch Bowl Hindhead um, Bramshot Common because um, ah. I was one of the England team managers down at that um, so England v Scotland v Wales v Ireland and um, England took home the trophies for that one winning the individual race um, there was a little bit of nearly controversy on the relay because one of the well not nearly there was controversy on the relay because um, the there was a control there with the wrong code or they'd been swapped over so of course uh. all the juniors get there they've been told and they know very well they don't even need to be told now check your codes check your codes check your codes you go there Oh, it's the wrong code. Of course, some people realise quite quickly that it's the wrong code and some people realise a bit more slowly because they're doing what they, they're meant to do. I need mm -hmm. to find whatever number it was. So there was a bit of drama in that. In the end, Scotland and England ended up getting the same scores from the relay. So they drew it and they thought, OK, we'll just leave it as it is. They've drawn the relay. We'll not make it more complicated for all the juniors and for everybody to understand the result. It was there was conversations about avoiding it the whole relay and oh god we just we just kept it simple in the end and so it's gonna officially have england and scotland on the relay trophy for that one but aside from that i think everyone had a very good time um that was a bit of a shame but um i certainly know like just seeing some of the juniors faces on the saturday after I think the the boys, the M18 course had like 500 meters of climb. They were so knackered. They put so much effort in. They really, really just worked so hard around those courses. It was, uh, you could just see how much it had taken out of them. And just that effort really should be applauded. They had some great mm. races. No, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And that's horrible as well. Get to control on the relay. It's not yours. Yeah, I know. Yeah. There's not Terrible. much. There's not much you can do about it. But anyway, no. we 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 managed to get that, and hopefully it didn't. Um, I didn't think it tarnished too much the whole competition. Um, I'm just very pleased to be able to, you know, take a load of juniors out to actually compete there. And so thanks to all everyone in South London Orienteers who managed to put that on because it was really really fantastic. Mm. Um, any other news, Will, or shall we move on to Hannah? Let's move on to Hannah. Let's move on to Hannah. Let's move on to the main, the main business, the main part of this podcast, our chat with Hannah Lundberg. All right, Hannah Lundberg, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I mean, after, I mean, you've had the most fairy tale season I think anyone could ever have with taking one World Cup win and taking third in the World Cup overall. Have you managed to process 
and and understand what an amazing achievement that is what are your thoughts oh it's hard to describe i i don't think i realized it yet it's uh, so i didn't even believe to run the world cup at the beginning of the season so this is quite a lot to to handle and uh, take in so uh, not yet but i i'm working on it <laughs> <laughs> Results aside, let's forget about the results. Which was your best run or best race of the season? That was the middle in uh, Ija. I didn't do almost, I did zero mistakes and maybe I could have kept like 15 seconds or something, but it was so close to perfect. So let's, let's hone in on that World Cup then. So you start off with this long distance, which is incredibly tough physically and technically and you start near the beginning of the start pack talk me through what that race was like for you what you had to really do in that race Uh, I knew that the terrain fits me very very well and uh, I had to do uh, just focus on my orienteering and all that that stuff and uh, I didn't think so much about that I started so early it was something I couldn't do anything about so I just tried to focus on my technical skills and uh, take control by control. And uh, yeah, it was brutal. So you had to just focus on one leg at a time. So you didn't get too tired to, uh, because you were so, so tired at the end and uh, you had to be very focused. So um, I started well and then tried to hold it on and did a mistake up at the top after the 200 meters climb at the, the last long leg so that was uh, not so nice end but when I reached the finish I felt like okay I've done it uh, very well and this is a new challenge for me to have this kind of long distance uh, and uh, yeah but I still I, I, feel, I felt like I could have done better and uh, I want to to be better technically to the middle distance. You mentioned, you know, that's that's a new distance for you, like doing so long a winning time, longer distance. In the, your training that you've been doing, had you been preparing for a race of that length? No, not actually. I have, of course, I've done a lot of threshold training and so, but not that much uh, intensity time or what you call it, but uh, I've done a lot of cross-country skiing with uh, long, like been out for two hours, two and a half hour, and I guess that's why I could manage to do it still. But uh, that's something I want to improve to the next, to the upcoming years. Yeah, because you're used to doing, you know, what's a jaywalk long distance race, like 60, 60 minutes? Yeah, 55, I guess. 55? Yeah, and then suddenly it's yeah, 55 like, this year. like 80 minutes on a long distance uh, in Egypt. Yeah, exactly. 80 minutes for Tuve and uh, the best ones. And then yeah. we, we are, there are a bit behind. So it's it's a long time to be out fighting. And I guess that's the the last 30 minutes are the toughest one. That's when you start to become became really, really tired in the head and uh, it's hard to focus. That race just looked so 
difficult in the way it was planned, in the terrain. I mean, getting you to the bottom of that hill for the arena passage and then sending you straight up the hill to the Bermuda Triangle area where everything was so difficult. But I was listening to quite a few interviews that your teammates were doing afterwards and they said actually like they really, really enjoyed the race. Did you really enjoy yeah, it? I enjoyed it so, so much. It was to run in E-Days like fantastic and the, the Bermuda Triangle that we we were entering after the this climb on the long leg. It was one of the toughest technical trains you can run in in Sweden. So it was just to to enjoy and uh, try to not focus on that we were so so tired. Yeah, and then you had a fourth place in that, which is, I mean, did you expect to finish fourth when you finished your race? No, I thought that the mistake I did was way too big. But then when the big names start to to come into the first passage, I realized that, OK, I run fast. So this may may take me far, but not that far. Yeah. And but and then did that, you know, knowing that you've come forth with a mistake, does that did that give you a lot of confidence to go into the middle distance? Absolutely. I, I knew that. I have the speed. I just had to to pick the controls close to perfect and to be to be in the top again. Now the start list came out for the middle distance, and I was like, "What on earth? Why is Hannah Lundberg starting first, completely first of everybody? This is ridiculous. I can't believe this is happening." Was your reaction the same? <laughs> um. I I knew that I was going to start early because the world ranking wasn't updated between the long distance and the middle distance. So it was not surpri- no surprise in that way, but starting first was not maybe what I <laughs> wanted to see. So I just sent a, a sad smiley to my coach. And <laughs> then but then after that, it was just to to forget about it and uh, to do my thing before the competitions because, I mean, starting first or 10th, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You have still no tracks to follow. Can it be even an advantage for someone like you that there are, you've got a clear forest ahead of you. No runners have started ahead. There's no, there's almost no, there's no distractions. That was the way I, I tried to, to see it. I mean, I, the only one that I run before me was the guys and they didn't have the same controls as me. I, I knew. So it was just me, my map, and I had to do everything, all the work alone. Yeah. And then, so how did the race itself feel? Did it feel good when you were kind of going through that race? Yeah, it feels, um, yeah, I had nothing to, to complain about. It was uh, very, very perfect. And I followed my uh, my play, plan all the way uh, from start to finish. Did you, so what, what was your plan for that particular terrain? And, you know, knowing what you knew about what the course might be, what the course setters had done previously, what was your like key thoughts going into it and plan? And I knew that if you get lost and start to lose the dire- direction, uh, you will have really hard to to find where you are again. And uh, it's very easy to to see other things that you think you think you are under the uh, the line between the controls, but you are not. Uh, so I, the first thing I did was checking the direction every 
every single time I was, uh, it was unclear what I where I saw and where I was. I checked the direction and then just picked every. I decided I want to see this like stone or hill or uh, what it was, and then uh, found it and then take the next point and do that until I saw the the flag at the control. And doing that when you're paying so much attention to direction and the map. Did it feel quick or did it actually feel quite slow through the terrain? Uh, it felt quite slow. Uh, I, it was many times I thought that, okay, this is this is not fast enough. Uh, the others will run faster. But then that was it was good that I had that mistake on the long distance. I knew that I have to do my work because if I don't do the, my work, I would do mistakes and I will fall down in the, the, in the list. So. It was just uh, a fight in the head to avoid that thoughts. So you start first, you come back, no one's overtaken you, you you're in the lead when you come, first out of one when you finish, way. <laughs> and then <laughs> you sit on the leader's chair and who knows, you know, me as a commentator, I know when someone early has come in quick, you go, how long are they gonna sit in the leader's chair? Who knows? Who's going to be the next one to come in? How? Where will they eventually go? So, describe. Was was it a nervous experience then, sitting in the leader's chair? It was a long one. Yeah, it was. It was horrible. <laughs> because I mean, I, I I hate to lose it. So, I when I reached the finish, I knew that I was so happy that I'd done a really good race, and I didn't manage to check the list uh, to. I don't, didn't want to be disappointed of what the others would do and if they would run faster than me. Uh, so I, I was uh, sitting there was horrible. <laughs> well, everyone's got their eyes on you and the camera keeps looking and everyone keeps looking at you. It must be a really weird experience. Yeah, it was. And you had a big screen right in front of you and see this drama that you're as you're in center of the drama. And, it was like, is that me sitting here? And then looking to the other side and see like, there are my friends and my coach to be the at the, you know, or like home in Sweden. It's, it was just a weird feeling. <laughs> and could you leave for a warm down at all? Were you just there for the what? next few hours? Because obviously, could you leave for a warm down? Because obviously you had the relay the next day as well. Yeah, yeah, I had already done that. I was, uh, actually I could cool down and then uh, go back to the, to our villa uh, where we live in the house and then take right, a yeah. massage and uh, eating and then going back to the leading oh, okay. chair. So, <laughs> so it wasn't straight it was, from the finish. It was, yeah, it was a lot of time before uh, sitting down in the chair. Okay. That, that's pretty good. And then, of course, you're aware, I don't know how big it got in Sweden, but that clip of from SVT of your reaction when you found out that you won. Honestly, I think I've watched it like tens, hundreds of times. I just and it just brings me onto a big smile. And if anyone at home hasn't seen it, they basically get a camera on you watching your reaction when they put up the GPS tracking of Simona Abersold and Tova Alexanderson making mistakes. They're the last two that could possibly beat you and they mess it up and Hannah you realize what's gone on can you do you you remember what was going through your head at that time because honestly your face is amazing (laughs) 
<laughs> I guess it was just total happiness. And but at the same time, it's like, okay, I'm happy that Simona is doing a mistake. It's that uh, that was my second reaction. Is this okay? And I'm just screaming right out. But still, it was like, is this me that this happening for, or who who is sitting here and who has done this? And uh, why aren't they coming and uh, running faster than me? So it was all this messed up in my head and it ended up in like this reaction, I guess. <laughs> it's hard to describe what's happened because I have no idea actually. Could you believe it? Did you have to ask people if it was real? I asked a lot of time if if it was clear and if everything was Every runner has finished, and uh, and so so I was not certain about it at all. <laughs> and it's always a good position. You can't celebrate too early. You have to kind of wait. And has this been a, a dream of yours for a long time? Of course, since I I began with orienteering when I was like twelve years or something, and then you always always looked up at two and the other stars and. Uh, since that, I I wanted to be the best. I wanted to beat beating them, but I had no idea that this, it will would come so early. <laughs> no. Um. What got you started in orienteering? Why did you start the sports? It was my little brother actually that tried a uh, um, uh, course with uh, yeah in our club, and then I thought it looked fun, so I joined and. Uh, I haven't uh, regretted it. (laughs) Regretted it, yeah. Regretted it, okay. (laughs) Uh, How how quickly, when you started orienteering, how quickly did you know it was for you? Quite fast. I ran uh, Woodingen in 2013 when I had done uh, orienteering in one year. And, And... did I guess I was third on some uh, stage there? So I I was I knew that I ran run fast, and when I found it right, I uh, was taking a high position in the results list. So uh, quite fast, I found out that this this fits me very well. Yeah. So I want to have a look back at um, and maybe discuss what what has led you to this point of taking the World Cup win? Because mm-hmm. if I look back at your results, you were at uh, Junior World Champs, Jay Walk, in 2019, um, where you must have been about 17, and um, you were seventh in the middle, 15th in the sprint, 37th in the long, which is like pretty, I would say probably pretty good for being a 17-year-old at Jay Walk. Um, but there's still so much of a gap then to going and winning a world cup uh especially exactly. with covid in the middle especially with covid uh, well what do you think you know did you how do you think you made that improvement and did did the pandemic help maybe i don't know yeah i would absolutely say that the pandemic helped me i you know sweden we have been uh, able to train uh, for free uh, every during the whole time so I've just taken like small steps by step and and been healthy and uh, free from injuries and try to do every every day should be as good as possible to to take the next uh, step and I guess that's 
the easy reason why it why it's taken all this big gap that you're talk, talking about. Because there weren't as many races, do you think that helped you like have that consistent training, as you were saying? Yeah, maybe. Uh, I haven't uh, thought so much about that, but I guess that it's uh, one of the reasons, or at least not maybe the competitions, but the I have been more at home and I haven't traveled so much. So that has been uh, good to have that uh, sustainable improvement or what to call it. <laughs> yeah. So were you able to get up to Idre quite a lot to do some training camps up there then? Prior, prior to the mm, we was at one with the team in 2020 and uh, oh, yeah. but that's everything I've done at the summer. I've been there at the winter too to do cross-country skiing but uh, not so much around here. Yeah. Not quite the same as well. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay so, so then what was that so I guess limited training on the terrain limited orienteering racing in the year before what was that like then making that forest day because you, you had the european sprint champs earlier in the year for your senior debut what was that kind of mental shift to a home forest world world cup i felt still quite comfortable with the either train and the terrain we have home in, in lulo where i come from is um, it looks very similar uh, so when the sprint focus was over i it was no rocket science for me to find out how to, mm. to handle the train. It was just coming back uh, some days to to there some days before and uh, remind me of what everything everything looks like. So it was not that big uh, change or what say. Mm. So was the um, was the sprint debut then a bit a bit of a bigger thing, ironically, back in um, back in May. Yeah, or the of course the sprint was the the real focus uh, during the beginning of the season, and uh, that was what I was putting most uh, time on. Mm, yeah, and then how did that how did that feel then going back to junior world champs after the World Cup? Did it feel like a step down or kind of no, just no, absolutely big? not a step down because I knew that the girls I'm running against are. Super on a super high level, and mm. I competed about with them or the Swedish uh, girls a lot. So I knew that I had to do really good races. Uh, but it was a for me it was a pressure because before this season I dreamed about a J-Book gold, and uh, now I not from the maybe from the others, but from myself I I wanted to. I was almost thinking that I, I'm gonna take it. It is no doubt I'm gonna take it. So that was uh, pressure to handle. Mm. I, well, I handled it well as well because obviously you won the middle final. In exactly, in... <laughs> yeah. so it went quite well, I'd say. Yes. <laughs> Did you? And of course, yeah. By that time a lot more people knew who you were as well and so how did you try and keep like keep control in that pressure mm, that's something i worked hard with and i have a mental coach that helps me with it and i found out that in the end it's all about reading the map and do my technical skills and try to focus on what i actually can uh, can affect and so uh, so try to see every situation that can be a p- 
a problem and a, something that not do that do that I read the map or or something. Uh, so just every scenario uh, is yeah that you can avoid is um, yeah that's how I try to work. Mm. How I love that you have a mental coach, as you say. How long have you been working with them, and like why? Why do you? What is the benefit do you see to you? Of course, uh, I worked with her for maybe two years now, I should say, and uh, I didn't. I started because it was uh, uh, we had that opportunity in the in the team, uh, so I thought that it was good to to try and see what she could could offer me in my improvement. And um, we were, became very good friends and so, and then she uh, started giving me some tips and tricks to, to get better. So uh, it wasn't any special reason we started, but uh, it was uh, a good, uh, a good choice from my side. <laughs> So that is like as part of the the Swedish team. So like she works with all the Swedish team. Is that right? Exactly. Mm, okay. And what's the what's the biggest thing you think she's taught you? In, she has said so much good. So I don't know what choice, but, <laughs> which one uh, to pick. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, the maybe it is this to to pre- prepare for every situation that can uh, upcome in a race. Uh, it's uh, very very good Mm -hmm. that sounds good and obviously that's part of the Swedish team do you feel like you know you're the you're the youngster in the Swedish team like you're the new face how has everybody the whole rest of the team been to include you in 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 all the team activities that you do they've been so so kind and helped me a lot to it is a lot of new situations and uh, yeah, I've been a lot of, it has been a lot of universities, so they have uh, just been kind and uh, helpful. So they are really good teammates. Yeah, I, I think I've like just seen a few things on Instagram, like with, uh, you know, the team hanging out together and like, looks like you've been really included. I want to... Um, talk quickly about the um, the World Cup final, of course, um, in Italy, and um, the races that you had there. Again, like another completely different. It feels like a completely different terrain <laughs> compared to a lot of the, the races this year. I mean, you've been to Turkey for G- Jaywalk. You've been to Idra. You've been to. Switzerland and now you have the Dolomites and these like amazing kind of contour shapes and this white forest and everything like that and first of all I mean what a like a long long distance race yeah that one was the toughest one I ever done (laughs) I was so tired and I oh I don't know how to the the field in the end was like I don't know how long it was one kilometer or something it was just growing and growing as far, further I run, and I, it was taking just counting the steps. Okay, ten steps more, ten steps more. <laughs> I was losing so much time, and from the last control, so I was so tough, but a good experience and uh, a tough challenge and a really fun challenge. Yeah, I mean, 
I, ca- I honestly like can't believe how long that run-in was that was and then also the fact that like you do most of the orienteering then you have like that arena passage that comes through and then you have the last section and then it's just like here do some more running in a field like I couldn't believe that it was I was not happy with the course setters about that one I was like you should put the finish on the edge of the forest and not have to like see all these athletes just suffer so much on the run-in it just looked cruel I think Will you know you would have I imagine you would have been not happy if you would have been running that course uh well not if I'd have had a bad run (laughs) (laughs) I've had a bad run I've been pretty pissed um no I probably would have hated it yeah it just they just drag on and on. I think we had some in the UK sometime, like a couple of years ago, like that. And it's just grim. Mm-hmm. It's just grim. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. I agree. Because <laughs> <laughs> no, the know. fun bits in the forest, especially in that terrain, like that really gorgeous exactly. cast, like white forest, just put more of the course in there. Yeah, we didn't have these expressions at all at the course. We have we had done some work before to find out where it should uh, go and it wasn't like that <laughs> oh where did where did you think it would go the beginning was the same but then in the end we thought that we would do a, a bigger loop in the hill that the men's course was in that the, the women's course wasn't in so mm. Mm. and how it's how great. was it oh sorry will I was, I was just gonna say it's great if you're casper fossa or yannick and you do cross country for your country as well then you just, you know, quids in, you're going to gain even more time on people running for a flat field. But yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that's why the two winners won by five and a half minutes. So yeah. uh, yeah. <laughs> Does it make you go like, ha, ha, what can I do to catch these lot on this type of terrain? What can I do to catch Tova on this terrain? Yeah, it's five minutes feels like an enormous gap, but Maybe I, of course, I did mistakes in the beginning, and I should have, can have cut a lot of time if I, I did it better. So, yeah, I find I find some time in the technical parts, and then just being better in being a better physical shape, and uh, she can do it. And then maybe, why can we others not do it? Yeah, I think that's very sound. And so I think you were eighth in that one, and then. Um, like kind of similar to in Idra, a better result in the middle distance where you were fourth, I think. Um, and that again, that was a really kind of great kind of technical race, like fast, but also you have to really be on it with the navigation because there's so many detailed, complex contours and you have to keep your direction. How how did that one go? It was a good run. I mean, when I came to Italy for one week before or five days before the races started. Uh, I didn't, everything I thought was going down at the map was hills. So <laughs> I didn't understand that shit. <laughs> and uh, when you think of that, it's, uh, I think it's quite cool that I, I just uh, t- took my time as, out on the course and uh, did so as good as I could. So, and then that's everything you can do. and then just accepting the results and they were good so i'm happy <laughs> when were you were you in you were kind of in a med, in a like a top three contention when you were going into that final world cup race did you know did you 
were you thinking about that overall World Cup result when you were doing that race or were you just kind of letting that sort itself out? Of course, that thoughts popped up a lot of times, um, hundreds of times. <laughs> but that was the thing that me and my coaches had prepared for and what to think of when I, when I, that thoughts came up, I knew that I should read the map. That was my, my clue to, mm -hmm. to just put that thoughts away. So everything I did was reading the map, reading the map <laughs> again and again. And then until I reached the field and then I could push everything out. Yeah. And then, I mean, to be like, yeah, your third in the world cup overall, the age of 19, your first ever senior season, you're still a junior. You still, have you still got one more year left as a junior though? I have. I mean, oh. I mean, you just must have been, I don't know, celebrating a lot on that journey home from Italy. Yeah, I did. I, I celebrated <laughs> a lot. <laughs> and But there and then it was hard to realize it. And uh, I was just happy when traveling to Italy that I have keeping it uh, up so, so far. So um, it was just a win-win situation for me. And then the, it feels like the sprint relay was just kind of tacked on the end because it's like, oh, all the individual stuff. Oh, and now we've got to do a sprint relay. Um, yeah. That must have been your first international sprint relay. It was. And was it your uh, first sprint relay ever or have you done like them? I've in done Sweden some in, uh, at Swedish championships, but I'm uh, representing a quite small uh, club, Ukodena uh, it's called, so we, we don't... We're not fighting in the top of that uh, competition, uh, but it was a new experience to to try the international sprint relay. But um, yeah, as you said, it was mostly focused on the individual races, and then it was at evening when we are we, we were coming home at six o'clock, and then it was just, it was to focus again. And I was quite tired, but I managed to do it. <laughs> Yeah, there were a lot of tired faces um, and tired bodies, I think, on that um, sprint relay. And you were first leg, I think, on that relay. And so Tove Alexandersson goes out in the Swedish first team. You were in, must be in the second team, I think. And um, exactly. was it just try and get away from the rest of the field? You managed to do pretty well. Yeah, I didn't think so much about the other runners because... I I knew that the sprint relay is so intense and uh, thinking about the others is something you don't have time for. Uh, so it was uh, no reason to uh, to try to focus on that. But uh, of course I wanted to, as a second, when you run the first leg in a second team, you want to be <laughs> beat the first team. <laughs> That's <laughs> no secret. So uh, I wanted to be closer to that when I reached the finish. And do you think first leg is one you'd like to keep doing rather than the rather than last leg on the um on the sprint relay? I like the first leg, so yes, but I uh, and I am open for every every leg, so uh, I will be prepared for every challenge. <laughs> nice. And then so that was a a crazy season. Have you you've come back home now? Are you having a little bit of a a rest, a little bit of a downtime before looking ahead to the winter and what you're doing in the winter season? Yes, I've had a nice time. I went home to 
my hometown this uh, weekend and uh, just reloading and relaxing and I'm still training but doing the trainings I want to want to do for the day and not doesn't plan so much and so I'm uh, reloaded now and uh, ready for the winter so now I will do a lot of cross-country skiing this uh, this winter and uh, try to keep myself free from injuries. Did you say you were up in um, Lulior? Mm, exactly. Ah, so that's really far north. So yeah, you've got, yeah, some, it lo- is. You've got some long winters. Yeah, I have. But uh, now I I study in uh, in some weekend that's uh, two hours far no driving from uh, Stockholm up mm. in the north. So uh, here is uh, not that much snow, and that's good when you want to run also at the winters. Um, but I mean, but uh, well, Tover Alexanderson is one who does a lot of, um, well, or has done a lot of cross country skiing and cross country ski orienteering as well, like using that as the winter training. And I think it's probably quite good at injury prevention because you're using different, you're keeping that fitness and that intensity really high, but you're using different muscles to the ones when you're running. So like that combination of cross training seems to I think probably does her really does her a lot of favors so um, I'm I guess you're hoping it'll do you the same as well yeah I hope so and uh, when doing a lot of alternative trainings you can uh, train more hours and the heart, the, I guess that the heart doesn't know what to do if you're running or cross-country skiing so uh, we get a lot of training and can uh, develop a lot I guess so I hope I hope it will help me and then I guess you're starting then your brain will turn to the the next season we've got a sprint world championships um I assume you know you sound like you're a very ambitious person I assume becoming a world champion one day is on your list of things to do absolutely Uh, it's it's a lot of work to do before that, but uh, that's something I'm. I want to happen. Yeah, I think I think good nice. for you. I think go for it. You probably will. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I will go for it. <laughs> <laughs> do you have to kind of? You, I get you know get back to the the day to day of training and working out what you're going to do. And what point do you start? You know, making your training specific to the events that you want to target next year. I will do a plan now when uh, we have still some Swedish championships left. And uh, after that, I will do a plan what to do uh, during the winter. And during the winter, it's not that much about specific training. But I guess when we're coming to February and uh, beginning of March, it will be uh, all focus on the sprint. And that's the kind of stuff that will make me run faster at at sprint uh, competitions. Yeah. Um, Will, do you have any more questions? No, I was going to ask what the aims were for next year. Go on then. What are the aims for next year? (laughs) (laughs) What what position would you be happy with at World Champs next year? Um, Oh, uh, if I can dream, I want to be top three. But uh, there are a lot of fast girls that I will uh, Mm. compete against. And first of all, it's it's about going to the 
through World Champs. I mean, we have the best sprint team in the world and uh, a lot True. of hungry girls that will uh, try try at uh, competitions before. Yeah. Best of luck. Yeah, best of luck, definitely. Oh, well, thank you so much to Hannah Lundberg. We were very excited to speak to her and it's just amazing to hear what she at 19 has all this approach to her orienteering is really fantastic really fantastic mm. no absolutely and i think you can hear from her as well that she's probably going to go far just the drive the determination the aims um she's already gone far so yeah mm-hmm. watch this space i think for next season she is not messing around and even if everything no. falls apart from now she's still got a world cup win under her belt that is exactly still a fantastic. home world cup win a home world cup win she's beaten tover alexanderson she's beaten uh, i mean fantastic fantastic stuff um just before we finish we've got a word from our one of our sponsors for this episode uh, envy and straight compasses will what do you have well following on from last i'm successful um plug for their versatile orienteering and cyclocross shoes i went along to another cyclocross race in order to test them a bit further um and they were brilliant because I blew my tyre out in the first lap of that said cyclocross race and had to run the entire way back to the pits. And they did not let me down once. So steep inclines, steep descents, um, loose gravel, slippery mud, all with a bike on my back. And I didn't slip over once. So can't fault the grip there at winning. all. Exactly, winning. And I only got passed by everyone. So, uh, and that was not, the, that was my fault. So um, yeah, the, uh, the shoes, great grip in all conditions, it seems, not only for just normal running and if you'd like to get your hands on a pair that was the um f2 the forest 2 crazy lights i was using so just a normal rubber stud um you can get in contact with mary fleming who is the uk distributor of um envy in the uk and that is at mvstraight.uksales at gmail.com so that's m-v-i-i-s-t-r and the number eight dot uk sales at gmail.com but then that's all for this week is it Catherine? That is all for this week. We'll be back um, next week with the sprint episode with Hannah Lundberg and, of course, back in another couple of weeks with another regular episode. So we will see you then.